0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, joined as I always am by my right-hand man, Bart Wheeler, and we are deep into these position previews. We did part one of the outfield light last week, and now it's Monday night. We are diving in to part two of the outfield. We just couldn't wait, Bart. We were planning to do a Tuesday, but we just we've got these rankings, and we're ready to talk about them, right?
1: Ready to talk about them? Ready to get them up on the site so people can read all these notes? Yeah, I'm just exci- just itching to, to do it. I couldn't wait till Tuesday. I hope that's okay.
0: Oh, I'm I I'm, <laughs> I don't mind at all. I I just hope I still have a voice after belting out some Taylor Swift karaoke songs with my eight year old daughter. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was my that was my pre gaming for this episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did also. Uh, I'm going to see the band Porno for Pyros. I don't know if you remember them back in the '90s, but they're oh, yeah. they're playing at a casino in Pennsylvania uh, next weekend. So I, I made a last minute plan to go up <laughs> there with a buddy uh, to uh, play some blackjack and see Porno for Pyros.
1: Nice. I was. It's it's a lot of bands are releasing tours and things like that, you know, coming up. So a friend of mine actually just texted me that Silver Sun Pickups are coming to the National here in Richmond. I don't know when the date is, but. Just like, okay, well, maybe I'll take a look. And then one of my favorite bands, The National, the band The National, uh, they just released, they're they're touring with, I think, uh, The War on Drugs, maybe, and someone else. And they're playing Merryweather up close to you, but it's a Monday night in September. So,
0: I don't know. I might have to make it happen, because I haven't seen them in years, and they're like one of my favorite bands. Yeah, and Merriweather is a great venue, so that's yeah. uh, that'd be a good, good uh, show to see. Let me know if you're heading my way. I will. <laughs> Uh, but enough about that, let's get into the, the business here, uh, the uh, baseball rankings, and uh, we do have our, our rankings for the all the positions we've done so far up at rosrankings.com, so go check that out. If you haven't already, uh, you can go back and listen to our uh, infield and catcher pods that we've already done, and part one of outfield, and now we'll jump into part two. And In part one, we covered about 33 outfielders by my count. Um, Basically, Barton and I had fairly similar rankings in terms of the, the players in our top thirty. A bit of a different mm. order there, but there were a few a few other guys we got to um, that were in one of our top thirty and not the other. But I'll I'll start us off here with my next tier of outfielders, uh, sort of covering my thirty to forty uh, type of range, uh, in my rankings. Um, and we'll see, we can kind of go through those and then you can talk about your guys that I didn't, uh, that I didn't have in this group. Um, so we talked about Chaz McCormick at the end of last show. Uh, I do like him quite a lot, uh, this season as it sounds like you do as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I've got Cedric Mullins, um, Spencer Steer, who I believe we've talked about on several shows because of all of his position eligibility (laughs) that he has all over the infield as well. Uh, Jaron Duran, James Outman, uh, Lane Thomas, who we did talk about last time as well. Tyler O'Neal, uh, Christopher Morel, another guy we've uh, talked about, I believe on the second base episode, mm-hmm. uh, TJ Friedel, Jared Kelnick and Starling Marte. So a bunch mm-hmm. of names there to, to talk about. Um, but why don't we talk, you know, you were bemoaning us not talking about any, any Orioles, uh, outfielders <laughs> on the first episode of this show. So, Let's talk about Cedric Mullins. Uh, sure. I'm curious if you're in on him this year. Uh, you know, he's a, he was the Orioles' best fantasy player for several years. Uh, now it's kind of like he's older than all the rest of the guys. that The rest of the team is kind of on the up and up. And he's uh, maybe, you know, heading towards the downside of his career a little bit. And, um, you know, his numbers have kind of eroded since 2021, uh, you you kind of knew that was going to be a career year, but he's had some mm-hmm. nagging injuries. Um, you know, but I still feel like he, he gives you a pretty nice mix of, of power and speed as long as uh, his health co- cooperates. So, like, I could see him having, like, a 250, 15-home, or 30-steal kind of season. Do you see that as a possibility? I see
1: it as a possibility. I um, mean, all those things you're, you're saying are true. Like, last year, you know, he had the nagging injury, like you said. Uh, groin injury, I think, was, was part of it. But he still had a – a solid season batting average was pretty low. Um, and then, yeah, the 2022 was we knew regression was coming, but it was, it was kind of bad, but I still love Cedric Mullins, but I don't really love him versus ADP. Uh, You know, right now his ADP is the number 30 to 31 outfielder and I have him ranked at the 38 range. So Mm -hmm. I I hate to say it. I'm, I'm probably out on him. Like I'm not going to get him as long as he's going that high. It, It seems like he should, you should be getting a little bit of a discount on him, but I think other people also like that power speed and remember what he was like a couple of years ago and won a piece of that Baltimore offense. I think like, I don't see him batting lead off a whole, a whole lot like he could, but if he's, you know, more like the Michael Harris type where he's batting like six or, or seventh or something in that lineup, it's a good lineup. So I, I just don't think the counting stats will necessarily be there as much. So, and you know, if he can't stay healthy, there's some risks there. So yeah, I, I, I guess I'm a little bit down on him versus, versus
0: ADP. Hmm interesting because you know honestly like we'll see what happens with ADP I I sort of feel like as we get into the spring you're going to see some young guys like rising in ADP so yeah a guy like Mullins I could see I could see him falling in ADP because I don't think there's like going to be a ton of people that are super excited to draft Cedric Mullins and and honestly I I don't know I, I sort of feel like his ADP as it is right now it's not it's not too exorbitant I mean it's 133rd overall 31st among outfielders I mean that's not that's not a, a super steep price to pay I mean he is coming off that down year so I do think you're getting a little bit of a discount um you know I just I just don't want things to go sideways with him you know like in terms of playing time or something like that but I don't really see anyone on their bench that's gonna be taking a lot of playing time away from him so um you know I think the big thing is this the steals, because he only had 19 last year, but he only played 116 games. Like, I think he can get back to that 30-steal plateau that he was at the two previous seasons, and that's kind of the key for me, because the batting average is going to be better than the 233 last year. I just I just think it's due for some positive regression. I mean, his BABIP was uh, really well below his career average, 25 points below his career BABIP. So I think you're going to see a bounce back there, to some degree at least, even though the Ks did come up a little. Um, so I think the 30 steals is the big thing. If he can get that, I think he can hit for a decent average. And, you know, 15 home runs, I mean, it's not asking too much.
1: Yeah, I actually have his teammate Anthony Santander a little bit higher. And we've, we've talked about him and had our, our disagreements about Santander since we've been doing the podcast together. But he's, he's finally stayed healthy the last couple of years. So if you look at ADP, ADP actually has Santander higher as well, outfielder 27. So once again, I say I like him, but he's my outfielder 33. So I'm probably not getting him. We talked about Santander in the first base uh, episode because I think he played, looks like, nine games at first last year. So he should be eligible there, at least in Yahoo Leagues. And he hit 28 homers, 33 the year before that. So he's had the power and shown it. Uh, He doesn't strike out a ton. You know, his strikeout rate is kind of like around 20 to 21% for his career. He's he's batted kind of in the 250-ish range, so not a super high average. Won't get the steals like Mullen, so – it depends on how you're building your team. You're right. Mullins could get you 30 steals. I will agree with that.
0: Yeah, I, I think in like a roto categories league, I prefer Mullins over Santander. I just feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, I've never really been a big Santander guy. Um, maybe it's because it, it, he reminds me of banking every time I hear his name. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like he's, he's boring, you know. He's like a 250, 240, 250 hitter, 30 home runs. Uh, 90 RBIs and not much else, you know, so it's like, it's fine it, it, but but I feel like Mullins is the one who has the more across the board potential, I mean he's had a season where he hit 291 he does have that 30 home run season on his resume too, I don't think he's going to get there but um, I just think you've seen like that across the board production from him in a way that Santander has never delivered So I and, and I don't think Santander is capable of delivering that, I, I just think he kind of is what he is, you know? So yeah. if you want, like, if you want like the sure thing, I guess you could make a case for Santander, but I, I generally in a 10 or 12-team roto categories league, I would rather shoot for a bit more upside with Mullins.
1: Well, the the guys who you listed in this tier definitely have more upside, a little more category juice, so I see where you're going with this tier. And uh, one the next on my list in this tier is you, you mentioned TJ Friedel for the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I pull up fan graphs and I'm looking at outfielders, and their stats last year, it defaults uh, to sort them by wins above a replacement, which is interesting. You know, to me, that kind of tells you like who are who are like the really good real life players, right? Because there's a lot that goes into that stat. And T.J. Friedel, among outfielders was 11th. You know, he was behind all of these first round guys we talked about in the previous episodes: the Acuna's and Betts and Julio and Soto and Judge and all these guys. And then there's T.J. Friedel. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. like he was a very good real life player for the Reds. And yeah, he had. 18 home runs, 27 RBIs, played 138 games. He batted almost 280. Um, Didn't strike, doesn't strike out a ton. You know, good plate approach. We, We talked about the Reds a little bit in other episodes, how it might be a little crowded, but I just don't see how they can possibly bench TJ Friedel if he's healthy. He's just, he's been such a good player for them. And yeah, I just think he has a lot of, he has five category juice. So like, I could even see moving him up a little bit more. And where I have him, you know, I have him at 34. So I'm I'm kind of I think I'm right there. Yeah, he's he's outfielder 37 by ADP. So I'm slightly higher. So I might get a little bit of TJ Friedel this year.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was he was like you said, excellent last year. Um, it is just head scratching with this Reds roster, like how the playing time is going to come down. I feel like that's really the interesting thing because, uh, you know, you say you couldn't see him not playing every day I certainly could I like I, I just think they have so many options I mean they like do. with roster resource right now I mean they've got you know you know I love Christian and Strand they've got him on the mm-hmm. bench they've also got Jake Fraley who by the way Jake Fraley was also really good last year you know and like he was it, it's it's a they're very similar players honestly Friedel and 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 Fraley um they even have the same first two letters of their last name. So, uh, but no, they're both left-handed hitters. that can give you a bit of power and a bit of speed, probably not a ton of batting average, but, um, and they were both very effective uh, on a per game basis last year when they did play. So um, that's to me just kind of the one hesitation, I guess, with Friedel. I, you know, I, I sort of feel like when you're talking about this, the Reds in general, it's, you're kind of like, you don't want to miss out on this team because there's, they play in the best ballpark outside of cores and they have a ton of guys who were really good last year. They have a ton of guys that have a ton of upside, young guys coming along. So so it's kinda like you just have to pick and choose your spots where you want to invest in this team, I feel like, because if you're invested in all of them, that's not gonna work because they're not gonna all get the playing time that that you you're hoping for. So you kind of have to decide where the where are the places that I want to take my shot on on guys. And I do feel like with Fredo or Fraley, you could talk yourself into it because the ADP is, is not going to be prohibitive for either of them.
1: Yeah, and Fraley, his ADP is outfielder 82. I have him down at outfielder 74, so much farther down. But you're right, he was productive too. I just think he's going to be platoon more often, maybe only play 100 games or so. Uh, but who knows? It, it could be the other way around. I mean, like we could be drafting the wrong red. I mean, as we go through Some of these guys, you know, sometimes we might rank guys over another on the same team and we might just be wrong. I mean, Alec Thomas versus Jake McCarthy is another one that I'm going to have to pay attention during spring training because I have Alec Thomas ranked higher, but a lot of experts have McCarthy ranked higher, I guess, with the speed upside. But it's tough because like I just it's tough to rank some of those guys on the same team because we have to see how the playing time shakes out.
0: Yeah, and I just I I guess I just don't really see any reason that like TJ Friedel would be have such a huge leg up on Jake Fraley. I mean, I don't think either of them were, like, elite prospects or anything like that, you know, and they both played pretty yep. well last year. They're both left-handed hitters. So it's just another one of those mystery box situations where it's, like, it's hard to tell. So I have them a lot closer in my rankings than you do in yours.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I'll, another name that stuck out to me of the guys you listed was uh, Jaron Duran for your uh, Boston Red Sox. Like,
0: yep. I have him at 43. Uh, where Where is he for you? uh he, well he's inside the top 40 for sure I've got him at uh 34 nice okay so you have yeah.
1: him way higher than me and I i mean maybe I should keep moving him up because as I started putting together my rankings I kept moving him up we're both higher than ADP you're a lot higher he's he's in the top 50 but barely among outfielders in ADP I just think if he bats leadoff all year he could steal 40 bases like you mentioned 30 bases with Mullins I mm-hmm. think Duran couldn't steal 40 and you know if he hits 10 or 15 home runs and he's scoring a ton of runs like that's Nico Horner you know from last year i mean if he steals a ton of bases so i just think for he'd be a top 25 fantasy outfielder easily uh, if he puts up those numbers now that's the that's the best case scenario but like this is a really good prospect i do think that the red Sox, their lineup is better you know we talked about Casas i think he'll he'll improve you got a, maybe a healthy Trevor Story in there they got Vaughn Grissom we talked about all these guys in the other episode so I do like uh, Jaron Duran at the top of this order.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I also feel like he could hit for more power than a Nico Horner, you know, like I I feel like we know that Nico Horner is going to top out (laughs) at around 10 home runs. Whereas Jaron Duran hit eight in only 102 games, only only 362 plate appearances last season. So, you know, and you know, in in 2021, uh, he hit 18 homers in 93 games between triple a and Boston. Um, you know, so like I feel like he's shown the potential to maybe get to twenty home runs. So if he did, I don't know about forty steals. Uh, maybe he can. Um, but even if he just got thirty steals, if he's going to hit fifteen home runs, then you're basically talking about what I was just saying about Cedric Mullins. You know, I that, like I could mm-hmm. see the numbers looking very similar between uh, Duran and Mullins. And um, if that's the case, maybe you prefer to take the the younger guy who's on the on the upside. I mean, they're they're really only about three years difference in age, but. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Duran. I think, uh, like you said, just playing in Boston, great ballpark. If he's hitting at the top of the order, there should – you know, there's questions about the Red Sox, but it's not really about their offense. Like, they're going to score plenty of runs.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really about the top of the order for me because when I look at his splits last year, when he batted first, 36 games, Duran, he batted 319, and he had 12 stolen bases. So, I mean – I'm extrapolating a little bit to say, oh, he could hit 40, but like he did some serious damage when he batted leadoff. So if 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 they do bat him there, and not to mention he could score 90 runs or something if he's batting leadoff, even if the Red Sox are not great, I, just hitting at the top of the order means a lot. So I I like his upside a lot if he's the everyday leadoff guy. If he is,
0: yeah, no, totally agree. Now what about James Outman? He's he's another guy that like has that sort of power and speed combo going for him. Another guy yeah. that's just entering the prime of his career, you know, entering that magical age 27 season, just like Duran is. Um, mm-hmm. And he's coming off a season where he hit 23 homers and stole 16 bases, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he did, of course, also have a 31.9% strikeout rate. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, that's a little bit of a concern um, in terms of what kind of a batting average he's going to provide. Like he, he could end up being a bit of a batting average drain. Um, but... Mm-hmm. You know, this is another great lineup where there's going to be a ton of like the run and RBI numbers, regardless of where you're hitting in the lineup, are going to be inflated. I think just playing for the Dodgers, um, so yeah, I mean, just the the, the power and speed uh, it, for a first you know season as a major leaguer to do that is impressive, and um, I I feel like there's no reason he couldn't have a a pretty similar repeat. It's just you know, it's just a question of does he have that sophomore slump does he lose playing time or something like that but as long as he's yeah. in the lineup i like i feel like the category juice is going to be there
1: yeah i agree as long as he's in the lineup like you said cuz they brought over otani and stuff but they, all, they lost jd martinez elite unless they bring him back but they seemingly keep adding people right like kike uh, hernandez sounds like he's going to resign with the dodgers um it just seems like they they have a lot of options there and i do worry a little bit about about a platoon but yeah, I mentioned Friedel and his war being being eleventh. Outman is twelve. So it's like when you start looking at these guys, it's like who doesn't fit in here? Fernando Tatis, oh James Outman. Uh, so yeah, he had a great season. Twenty twenty is not out of the question. Like you said, the batting average, I agree, could could be a little bit of a suck there. But yeah, um, he's I have him right up here with Duran. You know, like I have him at forty two and forty three, and then you mentioned Jared Kelnick, I have him at forty four. So I have all these guys in a similar range. I think you have him a little bit higher than I do, but. You know I love Kelnick, and now that he's in Atlanta, I love his upside. Like, he was a sleeper for me last year. He probably was a sleeper for me the year before. And, and he, The thing about Kelnick is he still kind of can be a sleeper. Because uh, if you look at his ADP, and now I think this is one that's going to climb, but his ADP is outfielder 56. So as long as he's going there, I mean, ADP of 245 overall. At this point, it's like you probably have your three outfielders in a 10-team league, even a 12-team league maybe. So, like, we're not even talking about probably your third outfielder. This might be your fourth guy to see what happens. So, I love Kelnick. Um, what are your thoughts there on him? You think he can finally, like, seriously break out in that Atlanta lineup?
0: I'd be hesitant to predict that after what's <laughs> happened to start his career. I mean, it's just been pretty – I mean, it was pretty much disastrous at first. And then last year was a, a bit better. Um, he still strikes out way too much, though um like I put him in this category because I feel like he has huge upside I don't feel nearly as confident that he's gonna be a um guy you can reliably start week in and week out the same way I do about Duran and Outman like I think Mm -hmm. those guys it's I feel safer with them but I I think you can certainly make the case that Kelnick has more upside than them uh just based on the prospect pedigree just based on the fact he's three years younger than they are, we, you know, we, we haven't seen the breakout for him, but, um, but it could come. And uh, you know, like I said, last year, 253, 11 homers, 13 steals in 105 games. Like that's okay. You know, that's a lot better than he was the previous two seasons in Seattle where he couldn't even hit the Mendoza line. Um, right. So, but, but he did still have the 31.7% K rate last year uh, I, I think the biggest argument in his favor is just, like, going to Atlanta, he's not going to have to be the face of the franchise. You know, like, sure. in Seattle, there was just a lot of pressure. Even with Julio Rodriguez coming up, too, I I think that actually might have even increased the pressure on Kelnick because it was just like, you've got to match up to this guy. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. in Atlanta, he's just another he, – I mean, he's like an almost an afterthought compared to all the stars they have on their team. So, small small market. um, winning team winning culture a a team that has a history of getting a lot of a lot of uh, good performances out of younger players um so that I think the change of scenery is is the reason that I would kind of be a little bullish in in buying the, the potential upside but I I still am cognizant of the fact that he could fall flat on his face again
1: yeah I mean the upside is that I don't want to miss out on the potential after like kind of buying into him year after year and now that his ADP is so low it's like I I will reach a, a round or two just to get Kelnick <laughs> to see what happens. Because, you know, he doesn't have, like, some terrible righty-lefty splits like some of these other guys we're talking about. Like, I'd love to see Altman, you know, have a little bit more power against lefties. Like, Kelnick hits righties and lefties, you know, it was really bad a couple years ago. Last year, it was it improved, you know. So, like, he could play every day for that team, which would be awesome. <laughs> so, he's I the kind of guy I liked it. To, yeah. They do. They've, they've said as much. So, it's like, he's the kind of guy I want to draft and see. I don't want to – miss out and then he has an amazing April you know like I'd rather draft him and then drop him if he if he does fall on his face
0: right and again like our rankings are largely tiered or you know um, concerned with 10 and 12 team mixed leagues like most people play in where the replacement value on the waiver wire is always pretty solid so like Mm -hmm. if you draft Jared Kelnick and he stinks (laughs) in the in April and starts becoming a part-time player or even a bench player you just drop him and you pick up the next tj friedel you know so like in that sense i I like him more in those formats if you play in the deeper leagues or the al uh or nl well you don't want to draft him in an al only and if in an (laughs) NL only league or a really you know 15 plus team league or just really deep rosters then yeah maybe he's a little less valuable there because there is still a lot of volatility with the profile
1: so there's a couple guys you mentioned uh, who I don't have in this tier. You know, I have more like in the 50s. So we're going to start differing a lot on some of these guys. That's just how it happens. This is like just pick your flavor. But, you know, Starling Marte, I was out on him last year. And I just think like, you know, in 2021, he led the majors in steals. And then he had 18 in 2022. He did have 24 in 86 games last year. So, like, that's that's good if you, if you figure like, oh, if he stays on the field. But. He's just, he's had, he's been on the IL a lot. So he's 35 now. I just have a hard time betting on Starling Marte to play more than like 120 games based on his track record. If you look at, he's just had a hard time staying healthy, but he does offer some stolen bases even in his old age, kind of like a Juan Pierre or something who was still getting it in his old age. But I don't know. I think you didn't mention Estuary Ruiz, who like, I think I'd rather take him over Starling Marte. I'd rather take the young guy who I think is going to steal more bases, even though he's going to hurt me in some other areas.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty much not taking (laughs) Estuary Ruiz. I, I just I don't even know if he's gonna play. Honestly, like I I, I've heard that he might not even be in in their starting lineup um, come opening day. So for the uh, A's, (laughs) yeah, I'm pretty firmly out on. Well, but he's not a good real life player. He's a good fantasy option because only because of the steals. And honestly, I don't even think he's a good fantasy option. I mean. Like, you know, he's more like a player you take out of desperation if you haven't dra- addressed steals at all in, like, the first 10 rounds of your draft. And you're like, mm-hmm. holy crap, I need some steals. <laughs> like, then you hold your nose and you draft him. But, like, I, I mean, I just – I don't know. I think he he's a guy that is literally only going to get you steals. Whereas, like, Starling Marte, I mean, he used to be a really good fantasy player. And really, you don't have to go back that far. I mean, even in 2022 – he hit two ninety two with 16 homers and 18 steals in 118 games. So, like, he was on pace to go well over twenty twenty with a plus batting average. The year before that, he stole 47 bases with 12 homers. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of ageism in fantasy circles and people write players off. And, yeah, like, I, I'm not saying you necessarily need to draft Starling Marte here. Like, what's his ADP? I'll bet he's a player nobody wants to draft. I mean... Yeah, probably. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 53rd at outfield, picked 226 on average. So, like, I mean, you can get him really late. And, like, mm-hmm. if he just bounces back to what he was in 2022, he doesn't need to be the 2021 version. Like, the 2022 version was quite useful. And last year, I mean, his K rate didn't really go up that much. His his expected batting average, I'm pulling that up right here. I mean, um. It was uh, it was 15 points higher than his actual batting average, and not much lower than his expected numbers the previous two seasons when he well outperformed them and hit for a really high average. So like, and his sl- expected slugging last year was 80 points higher than his actual slugging. So like, hmm. Statcast kind of liked his his contact metrics um, relative to the stats he actually put up. So I think he can definitely still do double digit home runs. Um, in that 10 to 15 range maybe closer to the 15 end of it uh, i think the batting average can jump back up um i don't know if he'll hit 300 uh, i wouldn't bet on that but like 280 i think he could do that again um with steel so yeah i'm uh like again it's the 10 and 12 team leagues because he's got the he's got the injury risk so like you might not yeah. get 162 games out of him but i feel like he could end up being sneaky valuable when he's playing
1: yeah i just i think where he's going i'd definitely i mean Jared Kelnick's going after him. I mean, I'd much rather take him. Tyler O'Neal's going after him, too. You mentioned Tyler O'Neal. I actually have O'Neal in a similar area as Marte, but I feel like I probably should put – just the way I'm thinking about this, I probably should put O'Neal a little bit higher. You know, now that he's in Boston, you know, if he continues to – if he can continue to chip in, like, 14 or 15 steals, that would really help his roto value. Um, but, again, he he's had a hard time staying healthy as well. And – he could, you know, the batting average. There's a lot of questions with Tyler O'Neill. You know, he had a really good season, what, three years ago? It's been a while. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like the talent's there. Um, you know, maybe a fresh start for guys like him and Kellnick. We're, we're talking about guys who have a, have a ton of talent, uh, maybe haven't quite put it all together, or in O'Neill's case did, and then immediately kind of fell off And it, for, for a variety of reasons. So you think he's going to kind of rekindle some things in Boston, especially if he bats like third, you know, in that lineup or something?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is another one I, I I feel, I don't, I wouldn't say I feel like overly confident in it, but I feel that the upside of it is is pretty substantial, um, because Tyler O'Neal, you mentioned that 2021 season, he hit 286 with 34 homers, 89 runs, 80 RBIs, 15 steals, like, in Man. only 138 games, too, so... Like he's he's a this dude's jacked. Like he's got real power. I mean, you haven't like you haven't fully seen that power the last two seasons. St. Louis is a pretty tough ballpark though, and uh, you know, honestly, you look at his strikeout rate, and it's not it's not that high for a guy that's like hitting two twenty eight, two thirty one. Like I, I kind of feel like there's some potential for him to maybe get the batting average up, it, especially at Fenway. I mean, it's a, it's a great Babbitt Park, so mm-hmm. like I could see his batting average coming up. Um, a fair amount um you know stackcast had his, his expected batting average last year at 249 like you take that you know i mean mm-hmm. with with the amount of power that he can have I, the projection systems are actually seem like fairly bullish on him i mean most of them are calling for between 20 and 25 home runs and between 10 and 15 steals yeah 250 ish average like and, and and only and that's with like 128 125 games so they're basically expecting him to have an IL stint in there somewhere and still get to those numbers um so like yeah i mean those are those are pretty decent numbers honestly <laughs> like so yeah i i feel like he could be a little bit underrated as a guy who who gets a big ballpark boost and has always had that sort of category juice um and then the batting average could could rebound some as well
1: yeah and i mentioned like batting third but i'm looking at roster resource they've got Duran leading off, Devers in the two-hole, Casas third, Trevor Story fourth, <laughs> Yoshida fifth, yeah. and O'Neill sixth. So some things could move around there for sure. Like, will Trevor Story be healthy? Who knows? Will he bat fourth? I don't know. I mean, I could see a Tyler O'Neill batting, batting fourth or fifth or
0: something like that, right? Oh, it could be all over the place. I mean, like, yep. it's very hard to tell about batting uh, batting orders right now. Like, we're just getting into spring training games, and this is where we can start to – see how teams are using their you know the lineups they're setting in the spring and what that might tell you about what they're envisioning heading into the season and then even then I mean it could some some managers switch things up a lot some stick more with a consistent lineup but um that Red Sox lineup you could you could move that in a lot of different directions I mean yeah all those guys could hit in different spots than where where they are right now Um, so we'll just have to keep an eye on it
1: well, you're talking about Soler, or talking about O'Neal and, and home runs. I already just said it, but I, a couple guys you didn't mention, and I'll just mention them real quick. I, I'm curious where you have Jorge Soler, who now is with the San Francisco Giants, and also Eloy Jimenez. So I have these guys at 39 and 40, and you know I can't quit Eloy. Like I, mm-hmm. We talk about him every year. Last year, I actually ranked him in my top 15 outfielders. I'm, I'm ashamed to say because, <laughs> you know, the guy can't stay healthy. He had an appendectomy last year. Like he had a hamstring issue but still like I have to have him like in my top 40. I can't lower him too much cuz I still think he could be like the, you know, budget version of Jordan Alvarez and hit 40 home runs. I still think he could do that. It, and you're not paying for it now. So like like Kelnick, it's like these there's these guys who I want to draft and now they're so cheap like I'm going to draft them late. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. am.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty much with you there. I've got Eloy in my next tier, so he's at 44 for me, so not too much further down, and I have Soler right behind him at 45. So, okay, um, I do like both of those guys. Um, you know, Soler is a, pretty much just a power only guy, and he went to a, a ballpark that's not very good for power, but he's got mam- he's got like mammoth power that will play anywhere. So. I think so. I still think he's going to hit plenty of home runs like um it's just I just don't really see what else you're going to get from him, you know, I which limits his upside I think. He's um you know, he had 250 last year but like the the 3 years before that it was 207, 223, mm-hmm. 228. So like the 250 is probably the high end of what you can get batting average wise from him. Yeah, um, but
1: you know, sometimes guys go to San Francisco. We talk about this every year and like they they do better they perform better not, i'm not saying like his average is going to be better but miami's not a good ballpark either like you said i mean i think he could just do the same thing and who knows what if he pulls a jd davis or a i don't know I, i'm trying to think of names off the top of my head brandon belt or whatever there's these guys who are in san francisco and i think just outperform their talent and so already crawford, is pretty talented brandon signed. crawford yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. No, it's possible, I guess. I mean, usually I feel like with that we're talking about guys like who have never done anything anywhere else before, though. In the, when we're talking about those giants players. I don't That's know. True. It's possible. It's possible, but um I don't know. Uh, to me he's like he uh, he's very similar to Santander for me. Like he he'll give you 30 home runs and I just I'm not convinced he's going to give you much else. Um I you know, he'll probably I think Soler has more power than Santander, but he also is a, a poor and batting average. So it kind of yeah. like evens out.
1: Okay. And,
0: and then Eloy, I mean, Eloy's a whole nother conversation. Like I have him there too, but he's such a different profile than those guys. Like I was I was drinking the Kool-Aid on Eloy for a while too. I, I'm not sure I drank it as much as you last season. It might have been the, the season before that I was that I was really drinking it. But regardless, I mean he's a zero he has zero career stolen bases. Mm -hmm. Um, you know that he's never played more than 122 games in a season. Um, so like the warts are clear, but he also does have a great hit tool. And like, I still dream of like him having a Jordan Alvarez kind of a season. I don't know if that's ever going to (laughs) happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good ballpark. Um, yeah. I mean, he, last year was like mildly disappointing to only hit 18 home runs in 120 games. Um, but, yeah, I still feel like I could see it. I could see, like, the 280-30 home run season. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, could, I, I could see it happening. I just I just have trouble betting on it. And, and I think you have to expect that he's going to miss a decent amount of time as well.
1: Yeah. And even though, like, he's, you know, he's been injured. Like, his strikeout rate's gone down. Um there's there's things to look at his numbers and like about Eloy, um, but yeah he's got he's got to stay on the field and when he is on the field like this lineup is not good. So we, we talked about it with Luis Robert, same kind of thing. Like this lineup doesn't have a whole lot, but yeah the thing is what? he's go- he's going as the number 46 outfielder. So at some point it's like well I'm probably going to take him before that because I just I'm going to buy in now that he's super low.
0: Yeah, but I mean he's the guys he's going around. So he's like going around Chaz McCormick and James Altman, Wyatt Lankford. <laughs> Jaron Duran, like, are you taking him ahead of those guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have him ranked ahead of some of those guys, but I mean, as we're talking about like Altman and Duran and Kelnick even I, I might have to move them ahead of Eloy um, because just what he's done. And you mentioned Christopher Morrell. I don't know if you wanted to touch on him again. I know we talked to him in this about him in the second base episode, but if he gets some playing time, I mean, he's got some serious power too. He could he could be a Jorge Soler type with the amount of power he's got.
0: Yeah, and I think he can he can add a little bit of uh, speed as well. So. Um, that, you know, I think that's a dimension he can provide that, that you're not going to get from Jorge Soler. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I feel like he might be more, more of like the outman type high strikeout rate, probably a bit more power than speed, but can offer some of each, um, not necessarily going to hit for a great average, but, uh, kind of streaky players, you know, and uh, the Cubs have a pretty decent offense too. So like the run production numbers might be all right with Morel too. Um, it's just a, you know, it's just really a question. I mean, he makes really hard contact, so like that helps offset the strikeout rate to some extent. But guys that are striking out over thirty percent of the time are never going to hit for a high average, even if they hit the ball incredibly hard. I mean, like you know the 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 Joey Gallows of the world, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, you know they they hit the ball real hard, but they also strike out all the time. So, um, but yeah, I'm just I'm curious about Morel because I don't feel like the book's fully written on him. I mean, he's only. Uh, just going to be entering his age 25 season. So like he showed some really exciting tools last year. And now you wonder if he takes a step forward.
1: Yeah. All right. I want to mention a name who you didn't mention in here. There's a couple of kind of boring guys that I think kind of fit in here in my top 40. One is Brandon Nimmo. And I'm not going to, I mean, he's, his ADP is up here. His ADP is 39. I have him ranked uh, pretty much right there. I have him at 37. And this is someone who like was a quiet, Top 12 fantasy outfielder in 2022, and a lot of that's because he scored 102 runs. You know, a lot of it was due to that. But then last year he added some power. You know, he hit a bunch of home runs, and it was like, okay. So I don't know, man. Like, he's a good, he's a good real life player too, and maybe he's a better real life player than fantasy. But having the power last year, like his ADP is outside of the top 150 players. So he's one of those guys where if I don't have a third outfielder, I feel better about taking Nimo maybe as my third outfielder over some of these guys we're talking about, and then maybe I take one of these other guys as my fourth outfielder. So I don't know. I feel I feel safer. I feel better about drafting a Brandon Nimmo uh, as long as his ADP isn't too high. And right now it's outside of the top 150. So if you're in like a 12-team league, he might be your third outfielder. I'm guessing you don't like him because, like, you're way further down than ADP. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I'm uh, I like, I'm actually probably have him ranked right higher than like I ever have before. And it's still an outfielder 69. So, <laughs> man, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's just not a player that I, like if you play in a points league, I would I would treat him much differently. I'd be much more excited to draft Brandon Nimmo. If you play in a, a NL only league, if you play in a 15 team league, if you play in an OBP, categories league (laughs) all of these varieties are things where I would I would move Nemo up in my rankings but if you play in a standard five by five roto categories format like he just doesn't he just doesn't do it for me I mean like like last season I mean he was let's see he was like just around 30th outfielder so like that's probably like where he'll be but like you won't but like I just don't like you can find players like that, you know, like you can find Steven Kwan type players or something. Like I'm yeah. going to aim higher. And then like, you know, it's just like, it, 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 like when I do my rankings on fantasy pros, like I will rank him a lot higher than 69th and outfielder. Cause like, yeah, he's, he's going to play a lot of games. He's going to score runs. I, I don't know about the 24 home runs. That kind of, that kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he did have 16 the year before, but right, it's like, I, I would bet against him getting back to 20, um, Batting average is always fine, but not, like, anything special. He doesn't run. He doesn't drive in runs, you know. So, like, he's, like, a to me, he's kind of, like, a one-and-a-half category. You could probably call him a two-category player because I'll say, like, he gets a half for for batting average and then, like, maybe a, a quarter for home runs and a quarter <laughs> for RBIs. But he's mostly a runs guy. Like, that's pretty much what he's – that's, like, the one one category where he'll probably rank – uh, as an elite option other than that he's he's like kind of the definition of an accumulator like yeah he'll, he'll get there based on games played but like I don't know I just I would rather have two guys that who have who are injury risks or playing time risks and maybe they each only play half a season but you combine them and you get much better numbers overall
1: <laughs> that's fair I think yeah it, I think it comes down a little bit if, if you believe in the 20 home runs or not right which it sounds like you probably don't because he's had a lot of seasons where he didn't even hit 10 home runs. But I'm going to give him a point for batting average. I mean, he's a 270 career hitter and if you look at his last four seasons, you know, 274, 274, 292, 280. I mean, that's a pretty good recent track record where I think you got to give him a point. I'd give him more than a half point for batting average.
0: I mean, he's not he's not sniffing 300. I mean, he had that one <laughs> 292 in 92 games, but yeah, I mean, I at 275 maybe. I mean, the yeah. projection systems have him more at like 265. 2 265 to 270 range, so I don't yeah. know.
1: Well, we can move on from him. He is a boring guy who who fits, for me. Like I said, I'd feel a little bit better about drafting him as my third outfielder, and then I'd probably immediately take one of these other guys who we just talked about. Um, and and so with our rankings, like you said, you, you're gonna rank them, You're gonna rank these other guys higher, and then when you try to do the the expert accuracy rankings, you might rank Nemo higher because of where he'll likely finish. I get it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Accumulation. I mean, like if if you're an active manager, like you don't need to draft Brandon Nimmo. Like if if yeah. you're going to be cycling through the waiver wire, like keep trying to find gold. You know, don't settle for bronze.
1: Well, what do you think about Masataka Yoshida? Because I have him as my outfielder of forty-one, and I feel like maybe he's similar. Like he was a career three twenty-six hitter in Japan, but that that translated to two eighty-nine uh, last year. XBA two sixty-nine. Um, now it was his first season. You know. 15 home runs, 8 stolen bases is, is solid, but it's not like anything crazy. Uh, so, will he improve? You know, we've seen Hasan Kim and certain guys come over and improve second, third year, whether they're coming from Japan or Korea. You know, these guys come over. It's hard to sort of predict how it's going to translate, you know, pun intended. But, I don't know. Yoshida, I think he's, again, a solid guy who I would, I would take, say, a Suzuki over him. If we're talking about guys coming over from Asia. I like Suzuki's, uh, like, I like his profile a lot more. I think he can do uh, better in the power department like we saw. We talked about him in the first outfielder episode. But what are your thoughts on Yoshida?
0: Well, I actually have Yoshida one spot ahead of Suzuki. I have them back-to-back. Um, oh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, yeah, I don't really compare him to Nemo at all because we, we know what Nemo is, basically. I mean, I guess the power thing is a question, but... But Yoshida, like he had 289 in his first season in the big leagues, and the projection systems all have him basically repeating that or even doing a little bit better. I mean, they have him all hitting in the 290-295 range for the most part. So, like he—he's a legitimate bat. Like I'll give him a point for batting average. Okay, all right. Um, and then, like I think his power is probably going to be about the same as Nimo's, um, but. It could be better because, I mean, like you said, before the 24 homers last year, like 15 or 16 was about as good as it ever got for Nimmo, whereas like yep. Yoshida, again, did that in his first season in, in the major leagues. And then the steals, like eight steals, like that's not nothing, you know, mm-hmm. like that's that's more than Nimmo too. And then it's the Red Sox. So I, I feel like the run production numbers could be pretty solid for Yoshida. You know, we did talk about how that lineup is in flux and we don't, we don't really know where he's going to bat in the lineup. Like, he could bat. Like, they've got him fifth on roster resource. I could see him batting near the top of the lineup, too, though. You know, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sort of intrigued by him. Um, he is a bit of an accumulator. Like, he's not going to really stand out anywhere except maybe batting average. But um, but considering, you know, it was his first year coming over from Japan, like, I could see his numbers maybe even improving a little bit. And they were okay. they were pretty solid last year
1: well uh sticking on the Boston theme I just want to mention JD Martinez I know he was a Dodger last year but I'm just sitting here thinking like why don't your guys just go ahead and bring back JD Martinez because he's still floating around as a free agent he was awesome oh, I love that <laughs> yeah right like I mean maybe they don't maybe they feel like they don't need him i don't know maybe he doesn't fit in that lineup they already feel like they have it settled or whatnot but like i I think I think it could make a lot of sense just to come back at his what age 36 season still a great hitter uh, I don't really know where to rank J.D. Martinez since we don't really know where he's going to land. I think a big part of his value was being a Dodger. We talked about Teoscar Hernandez, how we kind of like him since he's a Dodger. So I have J.D. Martinez as my number 50 outfielder, but that could go up and down depending on kind of where he lands. W- where are you on J.D. Martinez?
0: Yeah, I've got him at 43. He's okay. he's the highest ranked player I have that we haven't discussed yet um, in the outfield other than Henry Davis, which is a whole nother discussion. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have him one spot ahead of, of Martinez. But uh but yeah, I mean it like if once Martinez signs somewhere, I'll probably move him up into that tier with um well, I don't know where I'll move him exactly. I mean, like I could see even moving him all the way up into the tier with like Marcelo Zuna and mm. Castellanos and Brian Reynolds and Teoscar Hernandez. Like I kind of feel like that's where he belongs, honestly. I just the fact that he doesn't have a landing spot yet, you want to make sure he lands somewhere where he's going to get regular playing time. Yep. Um, but like, I don't know, like, yes, the playing for the Dodgers was nice, but that was far from the only reason he was great last year. I mean, he hit two seventy one, he had 33 home runs in only 113 games. So the RBI total, yeah, 103 RBIs in 113 games is absurd. Yep. And there are some places he's going to go where that's not going to be on up, up, possible outcome but the batting average and power I mean it's basically like if Eloy Jimenez breaks out like he'll basically just do what JD Martinez did last season and it wasn't even (laughs) the best season of the JD Martinez has had in his career you know he's a great hitter so so yeah I'm I'm very like bullish I feel like JD Martinez is the player whose ADP probably will rise a ton once he signs somewhere so if you're doing an early draft he could be a steal
1: Yeah, let's just hope he does because I I do have the worry in the back of my mind. Like if I was doing a draft today, I'd have a hard time selecting him because there's also that thought of like, well, he is older and maybe he's just holding out for just the right spot. And who's to say he won't just like sort of wait (laughs) a month or two. Like we don't really see that happen as much in baseball, but I feel like it could happen with someone who's as old as J.D. Martinez. Maybe he just wants to be in that right spot where he knows he's going to DH every day. Maybe play for a contender where he can try to win a ring. Who knows?
0: yeah or he's just waiting for some money he could be <laughs> i mean th- this has been a very slow moving uh free agent market this season so yeah, like, you know we didn't talk about it at the top but cody bellinger just finally signed uh right right you know so like the chip the the dominoes are starting to fall i i feel like there's going to be a place for jd martinez somebody there's plenty of teams you look at their lineup and there's some ugly names in those lineups and some of those teams are even contenders you know so like There's a lot of teams that I think he would make sense for, and uh, I expect him to land land somewhere, and then I'll probably end up moving him up even more than where I have him now.
1: Well, do you want to talk about Henry Davis? Because we haven't talked about him since the catcher episode, which feels like a lifetime ago now. It was probably like a month ago, and I snuck him in on you when we were talking about catchers because, you know, at the time it sounded like, well, they're going to put him back behind the plate. And I have MJ Melendez and Henry Davis at 61 and 62 in my outfielder Mm -hmm. rankings, but realistically – you're not going to play them at outfield. Like As long as Henry Davis does catch, you're going to sneak both of these guys into your catcher position. And yeah, I mean, well, I know you're higher on Davis than Melendez, but what you well, your thoughts Was Melendez even
0: going to have catcher eligibility?
1: I think in Yahoo he already does. I don't think so. Oh, man. We'll have to pull it up now. <laughs> we I, I'm almost certain we talked about Melendez in the catcher episode. Oh, uh, did we? I think so.
0: I mean, I kind of oh, see Oh, you're these right. Guys, he does. You're right. He does. Yeah, I mean,
1: I kind of see both of these guys as, like, a cheat code, right? Because if they are just playing outfielder, or, I mean, even in the case of Henry Davis, like, if he catches, that's fine, but he's going to play a lot of outfield. And Melendez is going to play mostly outfield. So, you can get, like, 140, 50 games from these guys and, and throw them in at the catcher position, not outfield.
0: Yeah, I, I should probably move Melendez up a little bit, just based on the catch eligibility, I suppose. Um, but, yeah. like... I'll move him up near Brandon Nimmo. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, Henry Davis, like realistically, like it, I shouldn't, I shouldn't expect him to be better than MJ Melendez. Um, but it's just like, I, I think it's just the fact that I know what MJ Melendez kind of is now. Mm. I've lost, I've lost my enthusiasm for him. <laughs> like he had, he had such huge numbers um, that one year in the minors and it, it's, it's now been, what, three years in the majors where it hasn't really translated. So, yeah. Like, I, I'm, you know, I feel like he's he's settling in as like an accumulator type guy, like an Andrew Vaughn type of a, a guy, you know? Whereas, oh, like, off. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, like, you know, you look at Henry Davison, he could be anything. He could even be MJ Melendez. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, he didn't do very well last season when he got called up, but. I remember like really wanting him when he got called up, and somebody else beat beat me to him, and I was very bitter that I missed out by like one fab dollar on getting Henry Davis. It didn't end up mattering, but I, you know, in the minors, like he was pretty darn good. I mean, he hit for mm. a very high average. Um, he had 12 homers and 10 steals in 55 minor league games last season. So, like, that's some really interesting category juice, especially for a catcher eligible player um so yeah I I don't know like he might not even play this season like he could be in the minors (laughs) like that could easily happen but he could also be a top five catcher just based on the fact that he could go 2020 you know he's kind of like what we were thinking about Dalton Varsho a couple years ago it's it's a similar Mm kind of thing like we just we don't know exactly what it's going to be but there's a lot of upside just because of the category juice well,
1: I was actually thinking about Dalton Varsho as you're talking about him, and I thought that would be a nice little transition because I actually have Dalton Varsho as my number 46 outfielder, and I liked him a lot better when he had catcher eligibility, like you're saying. I mean, it really is kind of a cheat code, but yeah, I don't think you should dismiss Varsho completely. And you know, we we've talked about how you and I like to listen to Sleeper in the Bust every now and then. That that podcast really good. And uh, Justin Mason, it wasn't on that. I think he was on the Fantasy Pros podcast where I heard they were doing some bold predictions, and he had Varsho and. He was just loving him some Dalton Varsho. And while I don't love him as much as his bold prediction loved him, I still think he could hit, like, 20 home runs and he could steal 20 bases. And his two fifty six Babbitt last season was a career low, so that could regress positively. And there's, like, his launch angle intrigues me, you know, like, for hitting for power. There's a lot of things when I look at Dalton Varsho's numbers um, that I just, I like. And I don't know. It's When you get down here, outfielder 46 to 56 range, it's sort of, pick your guy. And I think he does have a little bit of power and speed. Um, And so when you find a guy who could be a 2020 guy, this deep, I think it's, it's worth, it's worth taking a step. So where do you have Varsho?
0: I've got him down at 58. Um, I could maybe, I could maybe move him up a little bit. Um, There's just so many outfielders really. I mean, there are um, like, yeah, I, I could definitely like, I have him down at 58 and like I could easily see a scenario where, he basically does the same thing as James Altman. So like, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, there's just not a huge gap um, in this tier of the outfielder rankings. It's just sort of like pick the guys you like sort of um, I don't really share your optimism in terms of his batting average though. I mean, like, cause his expected batting average was also bad. Um, it was two thirty two, so a little bit better, mm-hmm. but still pretty bad. Uh, and it, You know, his expected slugging was right in line with his actual slugging. So, like, I'm not sure he was, he didn't really get unlucky last year. He just is that kind of a player. Like, I think he's probably not going to hit for a very high average. And I don't really see 20 steals. I think it seems like he's topped out at 16 these last two seasons. And that's with playing over 150 games both times. So, like, Mm. that seems kind of like the high end of the steals for me. The power, though, he did hit 27 home runs in twenty two. 22 and only 20 last year or so like maybe the power is the place where he can make some gains uh from last season um so yeah like a 25 15 season with a, a 230 average like i could totally see that happening and that that might look a lot like james outman
1: yeah and his adp is outfielder 50, 52 so he's going outside the top 200 um well give, give me some other names here because we've uh, we've gotten through probably fifty or so outfielders. So where are we on your list? Uh, who are some Who are some of the next guys you like?
0: Uh, well, like is a strong word, but I in this next group I have Ian Happ, who is a guy I have never really liked. Um, <laughs> so like you know, but but I feel like you know I feel like he kind of has to be mentioned at, at this point. Like yeah, because he is another one of these like very consistent sort of accumulator types, you know, who's yeah. like gonna gonna be ranked he's probably gonna finish higher than where i have him ranked but um i've got him um at at outfielder 49 and then i've got chris bryant who i just can't quit at outfielder 50 we (laughs) talked about him maybe a bit on the first base pod um and then carrie carpenter uh of the tigers is kind of an interesting name he's a guy Mm -hmm. that um hit 278 with 20 home runs and six steals in 118 games last season that's a pretty nice debut yep um you know, I think he's probably due for some batting average regression, but, like, I think those counting stats could certainly be repl- uh, replicable. So if you take that over a full season, like, you could be looking at 25 homers, 10 steals, and even if he only hits 250, um, that still has some value. Yeah, Carpenter, he
1: was a top, top 50 outfielder last year, so I, he's at 49 for me. I had a hard time not putting him in my top 50 since, like you said, he only played 118 games. He did struggle down the stretch a bit and versus lefties overall, but like yeah, he's got power. Uh you know, I like the Tigers this year. I think they're improving. So yeah, I, I like Carpenter. Uh Hap, I have at fifty one, so same kind of thing. He's like the Ryan McMahon of the outfield, right? Like you know what you're getting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're and getting... I feel like yeah, I mean, I feel like Carpenter, a realistic expectation for him is to like have very similar numbers to Hap.
1: Yeah, and that'd be and that would be fine. Like we're talking about guys who you can certainly roster in a 5 outfielder league. Um these might be guys who you play in a utility spot, but you've you've filled out your team and, and you're drafting some of these guys. So I actually have like a couple guys. Like I have Lord Grael Jr. among these guys because I think, you know, he had hit over 275 in each of his 5 seasons before it dipped a little bit last year, but the projections all like his average to come up and you know, he bats in the heart of that order for the Diamondbacks. Now, maybe that could change. We talked about how that could change for different guys. But I put him in here, and I also put Lars Newtbar in in this area. He's outfielder 48 for me. I like Newtbar a lot coming into last year. I thought the power would be there a little bit more. It wasn't, but the average was. And I just think, like, he could be another guy who could kind of settle in as, like, the number three batter in a lineup for the Cardinals. So some of this is, like, lineup base and spring training. Like, if Newtbar looks like he's going to be locked into, like, that three-hole – uh, I would like that a lot uh, for the Cardinals, and yeah, I think there's still some power there. He's young enough that I still kind of believe that.
0: Yeah, he's a tough player for me to figure out because I I know there's a lot of people in the fantasy community that um, that believe in in Lars Newbar. Um, I just I look at his what he's actually done so far, and I'm just not that impressed. Um, right. So like I feel like he's a, he's one of those players where you need to build you need to build in some projected skills growth to make him appealing otherwise Mm -hmm. like if he just does what he did last year i'm not really interested um you know i guess he can be an accumulator um cardinals might be better than they were last year um but yeah he's fine he's fine um (laughs) i mean he had he had 14 home runs
1: 11 stolen bases in 117 games and he batted 261 which i mean his average was a lot higher than i thought it would be and the projections like his average to be lower than that this year to be fair but like he has a little bit of category juice to where if he if he is an everyday guy, I guess that's the question. Will he be an everyday guy? Because the projections kind of look at him like, no, he's going to play 120 games. <laughs> so he's still 26 years old. Maybe he does take a step.
0: He could. I just have trouble expecting like more than 250, 20 homers, 10 steals as like a close yeah. to best case scenario. So, all right. Um, yeah, I mean, where do you have Chris Bryant though? Because like, I, I mean, I still feel like he could be like a good i mean like he used to be such a good player and it, it, he just hasn't had the health um <laughs> go you know and uh like that's just part of the bargain when you draft him i guess but yeah. with his pure hitting ability and course field like i could see i could see him being a player that like is a must start player for like long stretches of the season and then maybe there's other parts where he's on the IL or, or whatever or slumping whatever the mm-hmm. case may be but I feel like you could ride hot streaks with with Chris Bryant because, like, w- you know, the kind of production we're hoping for from Eloy Jimenez, I feel like Chris Bryant is also a guy that could potentially give you that kind of production.
1: Yeah, I have him at outfielder 78, so I am quite a mm-hmm. bit lower. Uh, I assume we probably talked about him a little bit in the first base episode because he is first base eligible, too. Um, too long yeah. ago, can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but he is, he is first and outfield, but no, I, it's like... Uh, yeah i'll take him in the last round of a draft i guess which is where you can probably get him but no he's he's down there for me 78
0: okay fair enough so you prefer guriel i mean yeah Yeah. i mean like i understand guriel is probably a safer bet to give you production i mean he i agree like his batting average should jump back up and um he actually like has some sneaky decent power i mean He's gotten to 20 home runs in each in two of the last three seasons. Like he had a major power outage in 2022. So that's a little bit mystifying, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, he's like a guy that can, can give you 280, give you 20 home runs, maybe and five steals like that's that's not bad. I feel like he's a guy I might actually need to move up a little bit because I have him in like a tier of boring guys with Brandon Nemo, but maybe he <laughs> maybe he should be a little higher.
1: Yeah, and I mean there's there's some more boring guys who I have sort of in the 50s here. I can give you a few. Like you already mentioned, Stephen Kwan. I have him at 52. Like at some point, I'm gonna take the Stephen Kwans of the world, but it depends on what kind of team I'm building, right? And he's definitely better in points leagues. I think you might have mentioned that he can help your batting average. Uh, he has a little little bit of stolen base upside, Kwan. So like, but he's not he's not exciting, <laughs> you know? He's not exciting at all. And uh, yeah, I have Starling Marte, who you already mentioned, kind of down here. Then I have Taylor Ward. Uh, we didn't talk about him. Like he's a couple years removed from having a really breakout season. Like he was a late bloomer, dealt with some mm-hmm. injuries, but now with Otani gone, it's like it's the Mike Trout show. And there's 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 got to be someone else in that lineup. I think Taylor Ward. Does
0: there though? <laughs>
1: I mean, it's like well, it's like if I'm gonna like Eloy in that terrible White Sox lineup, you know, a few like twenty spots later, I, I have to rank a guy like Taylor Ward. I guess I'm, I'm guessing you don't have him this high. Where do you have Taylor Ward? Uh, where
0: do I have Taylor Ward? I, I don't have him it's super low. I'm yeah, I have him at sixty six. Yeah, so he's at fifty five for me. So I, I just yeah. I think there's a little bit of upside if he can stay
1: healthy. Um his draft price is a lot lower now. You know, it was his he was he's was a guy who was overdrafted, you know, but now he's not. So I'm I'm okay he, taking him later.
0: Yeah, he's more like to me he's kind of like a a good example of how um we can overrate players based on um one season where they look pretty good in like a limited amount of time and extrapolate that and think they're going to be like this breakout player. Like, I feel like he was way overhyped last season based on that. And I, there's just a lot of players this year that like could fall into that same trap, you know, or you could fall into the same trap of treating them like, like people treated Taylor Ward, you know? So it's like, there's just a ton of, there's just a ton of players out there. Like, you know, we were joking about, (laughs) about, um, uh, Brian Reynolds and how, like, you know, that the, that kind of... Like, you can see Brian Reynolds in a lot of players. but I think we got that sure. from that Sleeper in the Bus pod. But, like, you know, like, you can see it in a lot of players, but he does it every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas, like, yep. a lot of these other guys, it's like, yeah, you could see them being... like that, You could see them doing that, but, like, they don't have the track record of always doing it, you know? So, like, that's yep. kind of... That's what I feel like you're paying for when you pay for Brian Reynolds is, like, the consistency of having done that year after year after year mm-hmm. whereas there's more players that are like Taylor Ward where they can look like that for one season you know cuz it's it's easy to look like a 270 hitter with 20 homers and 10 steals for one season and then that just can completely disappear there's there's a lot of players like that
1: yeah all right um let me give you another name here Jack Sawinski i have him at 57 for the pirates uh you know 25 years or no sorry i i was looking at the wrong line here he hit 28 home runs across the minors and majors in 2022 had 26 and 144 games last year had double digit steals and I mean I don't see why he can't do any of that again but he's gonna hurt your average I just think like you know maybe you double tap on a Stephen Kwan and a Jack Sawinski in a five outfielder league or something and help balance out that average or something I think I don't know like he I don't see why he can't do this again this seems like the player that he is and we've talked about other guys in other episodes whether it's catcher or third base and guys who hit for low average but have power. So if you're really late, I think Sawinski can give you a little bit of power.
0: Yeah, I feel like he has, like, the perfect name for, for the player that he is because, <laughs> like, he takes his hacks, you know, like, Swinginski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, huge strikeout rate, lots of mm-hmm. lots of power. I mean, he's hit 45 home runs in his first 250 major league games. Um, that's he's pretty also good. got a 31.6% strikeout rate and a 215 batting average. So, yeah, yep. I think I agree. I think we just kind of know what he is. I don't expect anything different. Um, except, you know, the one other thing I will point out is that the 13 steals last year, that was a nice little bonus. And I, I feel like that's kind of important for a player like, Jack Zawinski because like the power isn't insane enough to make up for all his other deficiencies. If, if he doesn't do something else and the steals were the, mm-hmm. the, the something else that he did last year. So yep. I'll be interested to see if that, if that carries over. I mean, I, I do feel like he's a player that would not have stolen double digit bases without the new rules uh, in place. So like, right. That, that kind of keeps him on the radar for me.
1: I know. Hopefully, it's not a Kyle Schwarber situation where he stole that one year and then just w- came back to earth. But I don't think Sewinski is like the bowling ball that Kyle Schwarber is. I mean, like he's <laughs> I think also a maybe, little bit younger. <laughs> yeah, he's younger. I think he's got a little. He's a little more fleet of foot. So I think Sewinski can still steal ten
0: bases. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, let me see what other names I've got here that we haven't talked about. Um, so, uh, Whit Merrifield is a name I don't think we should forget about. Um, yeah. You know, we did, we talked about him a little on the second base pod, but now he's got a home in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he was still like a pretty productive player last season, actually. Um, so like, maybe he's not um, on the level that he was a few years ago. Um, and, you know, I, that's like, he was the kind of player I typically am not buying into when he was like an early round value. Cause I don't, you know, it's like what we were trying He's he was like Nico Horner before Nico Horner, you know? Um, yeah. But, like, he did it year after year after year, so it became a, a lot more bankable. Like, I, if Nico Horner does it again this season, then, like, I'll, I'll start treating him like Whit Merrifield. But, like, Whit Merrifield could be Nico Horner this year, too. I mean, like, he had two seventy two last year. He stole 26 bases, 11 home runs, um, in only 145 games. So if he got to one sixty, you might be looking at 30 steals you might be looking at close to 15 home runs you know um, maybe not quite there but like uh, you know low double digit home runs 30 steals I think he can do it I really do Um, playing all over the diamond I think he's going to get a lot of position eligibility so that's going to be nice and still hits for a high average Um, and Philly is certainly not a bad landing spot in terms of surrounding cast and ballpark so uh, I feel like he's kind of a sneaky option I think he's he's sneaky. I have him
1: much lower. Like, he's, like, outfielder 90 for me, even after landing in Philly. But it's, it's really about the playing time, because you said if he can get, you know, 160 games or something. I mean, that would be great. But, like, it'll be in the outfield. You know, Brandon Marsh is injured, so I think he certainly – I think Whit Merrifield certainly will get a lot of playing time early. But I think if Marsh comes back, you know, Rojas in the outfield, I, I don't know that there's going to be an everyday spot for Merrifield come May. So – and he's not playing second base with Bryson Stott there, I don't think. You know, he seems Stott seems more like an everyday player, so I worry a little bit about the playing time. So I've got I've got Maryfield a bit lower.
0: Okay, I mean, I just think when guys can play all over the diamond, like they don't need they don't need one spot. You know, yeah. like their spot yeah. can be every spot. You know, so like that's what I see ha- I mean, everyone needs days off sometimes. You know, so like I think he's going to bounce all around and end and up playing. I mean, he won't play 160 games. Very few players do, but like sure. sure. I think he can certainly match last year's 145 games. I, I think he's going to play a lot. I wouldn't overreact to the fact that he's listed as a bench player on, on roster resource or anything like that. Right. Um, so I've actually bumped him up ahead of um, some of the other second base eligible players we talked about on that show. Uh, Tommy Edmond, Brandon Lau, mm-hmm. uh, Gavin Lux. Like he's, They're all in that, in that group for me together. But he's at the top of the list right now. Merrifield is. Yeah, Brandon
1: um, Lau, the further we go, the the more I'd move him down. I'm like, is this, is he really gonna stay healthy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And then Willie Castro, too, who, you know, we talked a little bit about. Like mm-hmm. he's he's not gonna be a true everyday player either, but he's gonna bounce around in a super utility role and get a lot of playing time and show it a lot of category juice. Um some other outfield only options, uh Leody Tavares. I mean yeah. he's another guy, I think. Like I think there's like a world where he goes twenty twenty honestly. Um, and, uh, you know, cause like his, his 2023 20, stat line was, was, uh, supported by the underlying numbers and, uh, seemed very repeatable. And I think there could even be that growth. Um, you know, he'll probably be hitting near the bottom of the order. So that's, <laughs> that's not ideal, but like, it is a really good lineup. So, um, that's okay. I like, he's, he's a interesting one. And then, uh, Sal Frelick also, uh, with Milwaukee, Playing time shouldn't be a problem on that team with the Brewers in rebuild rebuild mode. Um, so I, I, he's a guy I could see 10 homers, 25 steals, decent batting average. I could, I could absolutely see that happening with him.
1: Yeah. I need to move Freelick up a little bit cause I have him down in the eighties, but you know, former first round pick you're right. Like I mentioned Steven Kwan earlier, like you could get him a hundred picks later and he could be a similar type of player uh, and he's younger and you know, maybe there is more upside there with, with Freelick. So I need to move him up a little bit. Uh, uh, you mentioned the Tigers earlier with Carpenter. I actually have Parker Meadows at sixty. You know, I like the Tigers, so I'm going to talk him up. But uh, I mean, he's he's really young, 24, younger brother of Austin Meadows, projected to hit for a very low average. You know, we'll see. Like he's he's very young, and he only played 37 games last year. He he showed the power speed combo in the minors, so I just think it's it's an interesting. I mean, we're getting into late picks. You know, we're the, we're in the 60s for outfielders, so. I like getting a leadoff guy, you know, we just talked about Duran, guys like that, we didn't mention Young-Ho Lee yet for San Francisco, I have him in a similar area, because it's like, it means something to me, somebody batting leadoff, uh, potentially scoring a lot of runs, so don't dis- don't discount someone who could score 80 or 90 runs uh, batting leadoff, uh, potentially, uh, and I think Young-Ho Lee is someone who could bat leadoff all season, whereas Parker Meadows is more of like a Let's see what he can do. He might be batting Lee off on opening day, but by May he might be back in the minor league. So it just depends on what you want to take a shot on there. I think, I think Young-Ho Lee might be a little safer.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's another guy that like, I think you can look at in a five outfielder league or in a, in a um, deeper league points league, maybe Um, I, in a 10 to 12 team five by five Roto, I'm probably not even considering Jung-Ho Lee. I just He's a contact specialist, you know, and we've seen a lot of those players come over from from Asia, mm-hmm. um, like hot, you know, high batting average, little bit of power and speed. But um, I just don't, I don't. Like generally, when you see those players come over, like you take thirty points off the batting average, you take um, like a lot of them hit for no power uh, once they come over here, and um, the speed is going to be maybe. A little bit, but not not a huge amount. So, like, I just I feel like he's going to be like an empty batting average kind of a guy. Um, mm, yeah. Now, again, it, like you don't know with any of these guys when they're coming from overseas, like how it's going to translate. But that's just sort of um, the pattern we've seen with guys who who prioritize making contact. Like he's he's not going to strike out a lot, and so that should help with batting average. But I just don't I don't know if we get a lot else there.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. Like at this point, you mentioned you know ten and twelve team leagues, like. A lot of these guys are going undrafted. So um, I want to give you a guy who I'm 20 spots higher than ADP, and that's Nelson Velasquez for the Kansas City Royals. When I was looking at stat cast numbers and stuff, barrel rates, exit velocities, I kept seeing Nelson Velasquez up there. Now it's a very small sample size, but like when I see his name right behind Aaron Judge in barrel rate, I, um, I'm taking notice. So like he's 25 years old. We haven't seen a ton of him, like I said but he had 17 home runs and 53 games last year. I don't know if he'll have a chance to play every day, like yet to be seen, but like you're taking shots on guys at this point, you can drop him if he's like, doesn't make the opening day roster or whatever, but I'm just, I'm not really looking at his projections. I'm just looking at like some of his underlying numbers and think he could, you know, get some positive babip regression. And I just love some of the underlying stat cast numbers. So if he's, if he's on the opening day roster, and I'm trending that way. I'm going to be drafting him at the end of
0: a lot of my drafts. All right. I must admit I didn't even have him in my ranking, so I'm adding him right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I mean, this is outfield for you. There's just, like, so many options. Like, you know, it's – especially when you get this deep, you can have, like, a lot of different um, viewpoints, I guess, on on which guys to look at. And, you know, I feel like when you get deep in a draft, it it becomes, like, what are you looking for? What kind of thing are you looking for? You know? So like, um, you know, I feel like for me in terms of like the guys that, that bring a little bit of five category potential that we haven't talked about yet, like Ahmed Rosario, we Mm -hmm. talked about him a little bit on the shortstop episode, but now he's in Tampa. Like he could be interesting. Um, and then like that's, you know, the boring guys. I mean, Um, aside from Quan and Nemo and Melendez, I think you've got Luis Renjifo, um, Mm -hmm. with the multi-position eligibility. Max Kepler is a guy that like some people still seem to really love. I mean, you know, he's coming off his best season since 2019 and he was still only the 40th most valuable outfielder in five by five. So like, you know, I think he's a five outfielder league option only. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex Verdugo now with the Yankees, I mean, theoretically, like, He should get a power boost moving from Fenway to Yankee Stadium with that short porch for left-handed hitters. Um, But I still don't think you can realistically expect more than, like, 20 home runs at most from him. And he doesn't run much. Right. Should have a decent batting average. Like, I could see a scenario where he puts up pretty similar numbers to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Um, Yeah. But, again, boring tier. Austin Hayes, we talked about off-air before, I think. Yeah. he's still in that lineup right as far as we know <laughs> yeah he is so yeah I mean I, I think this might be his last year in Baltimore um but um you know he's he's hit 22 home runs in 2021 and then he's failed to get more than 16 in either of the last two years um but he did hit 275 last season so like he's another accumulator type
1: I think at one point he was leading the AL on average early on. Like, he was really ripping the cover off the ball. Or maybe he just had, like, a really good May or something. But, I mean, Austin Hayes is kind of one of those guys who's a better real-life player, uh, you know. But if you want to get a cheap piece of this Oriole lineup, then, yeah, I think he's he's still in it. And he's in the prime yeah. of his career, you know. He'll he'll hit a few home runs. Like, he'll – I don't know. I don't know if it'll be consistent. But, like, he's one of those guys you pick up when he's – I guess maybe if he gets hot and he's hitting a few home runs or they have a good road trip because Camden Yards really is becoming a pitcher's park. So, Maybe they have a road trip in Colorado or something and pick up Austin Hayes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder if he could lose playing time. Like, he, if anyone – like, I don't think Cedric Mullins is losing playing time. I could see a scenario where Austin Hayes loses playing time in this lineup. But,
1: yeah, we'll see. Well, mention Colorado. I'll mention Brenton Doyle. Doyle, I think you mm-hmm. you and I talked about him a little bit at times last year. Uh, he's got a really good glove. You know, I like guys like him. I mentioned Jose Siri. I think we were talking about – I forget what we were talking about, but these are guys who I think – maybe we were talking about I'm Ed Rosario – but these are guys who I think will stay in the lineup for their glove. And Brenton Doyle in Colorado, you know, he needs to lower his strikeout rate, uh, you know, get his batting average up. But he could have a, a stat line that looks like a 2020-type season. But that's best-case scenario. But he could end up being a, an accumulator if he's in the, in the lineup every day. So I think the stolen bases should be there. And like I said, his glove will keep him in the lineup. Yet to be seen if the power will be there. But course Field certainly helps.
0: Yeah, no, and, like, I have him in a tier with other guys that I can kind of talk myself into getting a little bit excited about. Like, they're mm-hmm. they're not guys you necessarily are going to be drafting, but you, you put them on your watch list, and if they get off to a hot start, you got to be ready to hit that add button, you know? Because, Absolutely. Like, those boring guys, like, they're going to be there, and no one's going to be rushing out to get them. But, like, these guys that actually have some category juice and are young – I with Doyle and Siri I have both of them in this tier I've got Will Benson the other Reds player Mm -hmm. there's so many Reds um, but he's he also was pretty good um, last season um, due for regression to his batting average and his power numbers according to the metrics but like it's Cincinnati so maybe that regression doesn't happen I don't know well what about Jake
1: McCarthy who I mentioned at the top trying to decide between him and Alec Thomas I would imagine you have McCarthy in here because he's got some speed
0: Yeah, I've got McCarthy and Thomas both here, actually. Um, So, yeah, I mean, McCarthy, like, he's shown he's capable of stealing 30 to 40 bases with low-digit, low-double-digit homers, serviceable batting average. Like, the problem is just playing time. I mean, I just don't know. Like you said, I mean, I, I feel like Thomas probably has the edge on him if it's between the two of them. But, like, I, you know, I've read that McCarthy looks set to begin the season in a bench role. But, again, like, that that's just at the beginning of the season and mm-hmm. guys are going to get you know mixed in and things can change so like he's a definite watch list guy for me um you know thomas too i mean like he was a good prospect and he's got a nice blend of power and speed and batting average in the minors it just hasn't really translated to the big leagues yet but like if he's showing signs of life like that could be worth an ad too um Johan Rojas, I believe you might have yeah. mentioned him briefly when we were talking about the Phillies, like I did. Stole 44 bases between AA and the majors last year. <laughs> stole 62 in the minors in 2022. Like those are big stolen base numbers. Um yeah, I mean he I don't think he's going to come close to hitting 300 again, but like the, the steals could definitely be there. And then I got to mention Alex Kirillov too. I'm like, if we're not giving up on Eloy Jimenez, I'm not giving up on Alex Kirillov either. I, I still know. think he's got a great hit tool. If he could just find a way to stay healthy. And I just, the problem with Kirilov is like, he's probably a better um, real life hitter than he is a fantasy hitter anyway. Um, and then the health issues. But uh, I still feel like he at some point could have a healthy season and the numbers could look pretty solid.
1: Yeah, I was waiting for you. to – I knew Kirilov had to be in this tier for you, even if he's at the bottom. We can't we can't give up on
0: Kirilov. Exactly.
1: Um, I think another name I was ready to talk about a little bit more Pete Crow Armstrong for the Cubs, and you you talked about how they re-signed Bellinger, so that puts a damper on on his outlook. I think a little bit, but who knows? I mean, maybe he'll be up in a month, and maybe they you know move some other someone else around or trade someone. Just keep an eye on Pete Crow Armstrong because I don't know. I think he could he could make his way onto into the lineup. He was a 2020 first round pick. He's hit for average in the minors, uh, has enough pop to be interesting you know. once he does get that shot. So he's an interesting one. And I think Tommy Pham, who's a free agent currently, like I, I have him at outfielder 83. He doesn't have a team, but like he showed a lot of power speed. He was a top 50 outfielder in 2023. So his 256 average, uh, that was compared to his 282 XBA. So in addition to the power and speed, he could have hit for a little bit better average last year. So he had a really good season. It's interesting to see where he lands. Mm-hmm. If he lands somewhere, yeah,
0: I've always loved Tommy Pham for fantasy. I mean, he's like, he's always been underrated in my in my book. So I'll yeah. I'll be watching to see where he lands. Um, and then like, yeah, th- this position, just like tying a ribbon on it a little bit. Like, this position is elite at the top. Then there's a huge drop off in the middle rounds. Mm-hmm. But look how deep it is at the end. I mean, yeah. like, there's you can make a case for a hundred outfielders that could be useful. I mean, yeah, like. I haven't even mentioned this tier of like power hitting outfielders, but like Mitch Haniger back yep. in Seattle hit 39 home runs as recently as 2021. If he could just stay healthy, like yeah, he could definitely have a bounce back. Brent Rooker, yep. um, is, we know the playing time is going to be there in Oakland. I mean, he hit 30 home runs last season, you know, like uh, I, I think he's probably going to be a batting average drain, but like, uh, you know, it's still like power is power. Stanton, John King Carlos, Carlos Stanton. Stanton. I mean, Absolutely. like, he, he'll probably hit homers at a 30 to 40 homer pace for however many games he plays. It just might not be more <laughs> than like 50, but <laughs> yeah. Like, and then uh, one other guy I'm curious what you think about Matt Walner um, mm-hmm. with the twins. I mean, that's a, he's another guy with a huge strikeout rate, but like legitimate power.
1: Yeah. He hit uh what? 14 home runs in less than half of a season. I feel like the twins have a lot of these guys and a lot of like left-handed versions of these big boppers, but Walner looks like he could be one who, who sticks and yeah, I have him at 88. I have those other guys, those veterans sort of in the 70s. So yeah, we glossed over it, but like I have Brent Rooker 68, Giancarlo Stanton 70, Mitch Haniger 72. Mitch Haniger actually hit a home run today. I think with with Haniger like being back in Seattle where where he belongs, you know, it's like it, it looks right in that uniform. He didn't he deal with like hernia surgery or something. He's had some bad injury luck. So yeah. Maybe maybe he can stay healthy. You know, some of these guys who have appendectomies and all this weird stuff. Um, I don't know. Like maybe Heineger really can stay healthy, but he is getting a little bit up there in age now.
0: Well, again, like you could just again in the ten or twelve team league, you can play him while he is healthy, and then when yeah. he's not, you just drop him. Or if you have a ton of IL spots, you can put him in one. But if you if you run out of IL spots, you don't feel you don't have to feel like you have to hold him, you know? Like, Absolutely. Um and then one other guy in this power group, like who's pretty much been left for dead as far as I can tell, but like I could easily see him having a bounce back is when people least expect it is Hunter Renfro. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I mean, his power production just dropped off last year and his fantasy value fell off a cliff as a result of that. But like it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like if he had 30 plus home runs this season.
1: Yep. I I wouldn't either. I'm going to give another name here because I I don't want to leave this without talking about Joe Adele because this is spring training and it's Joe Adele season. And when I mentioned Mm -hmm. Taylor Ward, I was sitting there thinking about Joe Adele, and I heard on one podcast them talking about how the Angels don't have any options left for him. So it's like they're not going to send him back to the minors up and down and this and that. And it's like we've seen Joe Adele just hit monster bombs and have good spring trainings. And now with the lineup being so bad, like why not? <laughs> I mean, it's now or never, right? So why not take Joe Adele with your very last pick and see if he just has like a heart, uh, you know, a hot start to the season? So had to yeah. mention Joe Adele.
0: Yeah. And I have to mention all these, um, prospects too. I mean, like, oh yeah, cause these guys could come up at some point in the season that the nationals have a couple of them. They've got James Wood who just completely s- smashed a home run in spring training, I believe yesterday. Mm-hmm. So that was making the rounds on Twitter. You know, that's going to get people's attention. Yep. Uh, and then Dylan Cruz is also a really highly regarded prospect. So keep an eye on those two guys. Um, you've got Jason Dominguez with the Yankees. He's, um you know coming back from tommy john surgery but as we Mm -hmm. know tommy john surgery is not nearly as concerning for a a hitter as it is for a pitcher so like he could be able to return sometime around mid-season he got a cup of coffee with the yankees last year um you know stole 40 bases in the minors so he's a guy that could get a pretty quick call up in the summer yeah
1: dominguez Um, he's outfielder 86 so we're looking at adp 334 that's for most leagues, that's undrafted, right? So he's a great guy who you can, like you said, you can draft him at the very end. You can put him on an IL spot, and now you can pick up someone else. So, like, that's a, I always like to find guys who are immediately on IL, and then I can just build my roster even more right after
0: the draft. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and then, like, Sedan Rafaela with the Red Sox. We talked about him a little bit on the shortstop episode. I think mm-hmm. he's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, Hunter Goodman. Um, with the, the Rockies as well, along with uh, Brenton Doyle. So like, yeah, there's just there's a lot of outfielders. There's your boy Ryan O'Hearn. I'm just calling yeah. him your boy because he plays for the Orioles. But Absolutely. like, he was quietly productive last year. He Nick was. Senzel, I, another guy I can never quit.
1: <laughs> I love Ryan O'Hearn. Yeah, like I think did we talk about him? He might have been first base eligible too. So he was really solid. Like he's he's a daily roster guy because he's he's gonna platoon. But Ryan O'Hearn hit. You know, he hit, the, he hit the cover off the ball at times. So, yeah, I have him like kind of like around 80 to 85. He's up there He's up there for me.
0: Yeah. I Like, I did my rankings in terms of types of players in these tiers, but when I actually put them into the overall rankings up at rosrankings.com, I'm going to probably be moving some stuff around because there's there's a lot of ways you can go with these outfielder groups, and it, it sort of depends, again, on what you're looking for. Like, are you shooting for upside? Are you shooting for – a stable floor in terms of playing time and, and, a history of production. There's, there's kind of players for every taste here in the off field.
1: And you mentioned Rafaela uh, for Boston, but will you or Breu, I mean, this, this might be a little bit of a competition. I mean, we've seen, I think it was last year, the, the shortstop competition for the Yankees, you know, it's February. Sometimes we think we know how these things are going to shake out. And then a month later, it's the other guy who gets the call up, or maybe someone gets called up and they struggle and then so the the next guy gets the call up. So just keep an eye on these these battles as spring training goes. And then also just keep these guys on your watch list once opening day actually comes around.
0: Yep, exactly. And uh just coming you know, coming back to the top, like I still think this is the position if you if you play in those three outfielder leagues, like it makes sense to be aggressive taking outfielders early in your draft because you're gonna get these five category studs. But you know, if you're if you if you happen to miss out on the run or something like that like there's just you can you can maybe go quantity instead of quality because like there's just so many interesting names at this position so you know if you have you know if you draft seven outfielders you only need three of them to hit you know (laughs) so uh so improve your odds that way i guess there you go (laughs) all right anything else you want to add final thoughts No, I don't think so. Draft Joe Adele, last pick. (laughs) (laughs) There it is, folks. Draft Joe Adele with your final pick. And if it doesn't work out, send an angry letter to Bart Wheeler at – what's your address? (laughs) Somewhere in Richmond. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, We will be posting these rankings and notes up at rosrankings.com, so keep an eye out for that. We will be moving on to pitchers uh, coming up next – so uh, Bart and I have already gotten started with our pitcher analysis, our our initial rankings. But uh, if you thought outfielder was deep, wait till you get to starting pitcher. It's going to oh, be, yeah. that will be at least two shows on that one. So we'll, we'll probably be jumping into that later on this week. So keep an ear out for that. In the meantime, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us on Twitter or X. I am at Andrew underscore Cypher. And I am at
1: Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, share, rate, and review. We are out of here.
0: We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.